0: Today's episode of the NBA Show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent to get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Unexpected outcomes like, unfortunately, the injuries that have already taken place to some extremely prominent players in the NBA. Kevin and I will be starting with that. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Today's episode of The Mismatch brought to you by Brilliant Earth. Create your own one-of-a-kind engagement ring with Brilliant Earth, the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. Brilliant Earth's exclusive unique designs are brought to life by master jewelers, and they offer free shipping and returns on all orders. And now, if you purchase an engagement ring, you will also receive a complimentary diamond jewelry gift. To see the terms for this special offer and to shop at Brilliant Earth selections, go to brilliantearth.com slash ringermb. That's BrilliantEarth.com slash RingerNBA. For the ringer nba show i'm chris vernon and joining me as he does every tuesday from the ringer.com is kevin o'connor aka kevin O'Bomber, aka kevin O'Concert, aka kevin o conflict kevin o climber kevin O'Camera, aka kevin o kevin o croissant kevin
1: verno what's going on this tuesday morning buddy
0: well, unfortunately, the story since we last spoke is a rash of injuries throughout the NBA to some extremely prominent players. Um, since you and I have last spoken, Gordon Hayward uh, hurt his hand, is going to miss six weeks. De'Aaron Fox, three to four weeks with a ankle injury. Chris Middleton, three to four weeks with a thigh injury. And obviously, Hayward and Middleton are on very good teams Darren Fox, the news just gets worse for what has been a nightmare of a beginning of a season for the Sacramento Kings. As if they weren't losing enough games, their two future stars in Fox and Bagley have now missed uh, a lot of time for injury at the beginning of the year. But Hayward, Fox, Middleton, all out. And I'm going to talk about another prominent player here in a second. But for those three, um it's pretty clear Sacramento is least equipped to deal with it. Do you think the Middleton injury will hurt the Bucks a lot? Will they still be able to win a very high percentage of games losing Middleton for a month? I was thinking about
1: this, you know, last night when the after the news broke looking at their numbers and during the regular season, I don't I don't think it's going to be much of an issue during the regular season, Chris. If you, if you look at the past two seasons, including so far this year with Giannis and Middleton on the floor, those guys are obviously dominant. But even in situations in which Middleton uh Giannis is on the floor without Middleton, they're still a dominant team, you know, outscoring teams by 18 points per one in possessions. It's not like Giannis needs Middleton to have uh, for the team to have success during the regular season. It's just in those minutes where Neither of them are on the floor. It's going to hurt, but I still think they have enough juice to to carry this team without Middleton for the next couple of weeks.
0: Well, and how about this? This also plays into a guy having a chance at a back-to-back MVP. He's already averaging 30 points a game. You've got to imagine. I mean, they're, they're going to need to make up those points. I mean, what's the cap on Giannis? He's already averaging 30 a game. If Middleton's out, I would suspect that number goes up or 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 it might not because he'll get even more attention than he normally gets. I don't know
1: the one thing I would say, Chris, in regards to Middleton, though is this left leg injury, the left thigh injury, is on the same exact leg that he two years three years ago had surgery on his hamstring, oh. and it was a ruptured hamstring that he had surgery on back in twenty sixteen. And It's just noteworthy. That's all. I mean, it may have nothing to do with his past injury or surgery, but it's just noteworthy that it's on the same exact leg, and it's just a thigh contusion keeping him out for three to four weeks, and hopefully that's all it is because with Middleton, you're right. Like During the regular season, this is an opportunity for Giannis to put up even bigger numbers because Middleton is not going to be getting his typical shots and touches per game. This season, 14 shots per game, uh, one of their primary scorers, of course. And now that a lot of that is going to go to Giannis, not just the other guys who are going to be filling Middleton's shoes. But most importantly is that they're going to get him back healthy for that April, May, and they hope June run. Um, That's the priority, and I I think they're
0: going to be fine being able to stay afloat without him. Certainly not what is best for the Celtics, Kevin, but for Jalen Brown, um, if you want to validate the big contract that he signed, uh last night was a great first step where he goes out and 38 minutes, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists and on a night where Jason Tatum had a historically <laughs> bad shooting night um yeah. you know now they've got a guy that they can plug right in there um with uh with with Hayward having to miss an extended amount of time and you just hate it for Hayward who you know w- was not himself all of last season and then came back this year and looked better than ever and then just a freaky thing to get his hand caught like he did on Aldridge the other night and have to miss you know a month and a half but it at least for one night looked like the Celtics are going to be able to be just fine uh with Hayward missing some time they have the requisite depth to be able to deal with that i mean it's obviously a shame that Hayward Got hurt, and you hope for
1: him that he's able to get back and have the same type of mindset and aggression that he did prior to this fluky hand injury, but with whether they can fill, you know, what they're going to lose from Hayward. I I think they, again, it's similar to the Middleton injury. They can, they'll be fine for the next six weeks without him. And one of the reasons why is because you assume guys like Brown and Tatum can elevate their play with more opportunity. And Brown specifically, I mean, we've talked about Tatum on this pod before, but we haven't really touched on Jalen Brown, partially because he did miss some games this season for Boston, but he looks a lot better, man. I think Jalen Deserves credit for the guy, the guy he was at California as a freshman there was a a poor decision maker, a guy who stopped the ball, a guy who really did not have that good of a handle at all. He had very, very basic ball handling skills, very, you know, herky-jerky with his movements. Uh, but now in the NBA, there's fluidity to his game and he's become a better passer off the dribble. And that that's a testament to the work he's put in, a testament to the coaching and training he's received as well. And I'm impressed with the player that he's become driving to the rim and changing pace, uh, changing tempo. He looks like a guy that can, you know, create for himself with more efficiency than ever before and pass to his teammates. You know, he has good passing vision now. And with Jalen, you know, averaging nearly 20 points, Jason Tatum, granted, he just had that just horrific <laughs> game yesterday. Chris, you've mentioned one for 17. Oh, my God. God, that's that's horrible. But it was it the, was one the, for the, eighteen. The, it was one, one oh, for eighteen. I'm sorry, one for eighteen. But these <laughs> shorted, yeah, these, shorted these, <laughs> these two guys can't step up without Gordon Hayward.
0: That's for sure. Uh and the other one that we mentioned was Fox. Might save Luke Walton. You know what I mean? If they were going to try to pin it on him, now he can say, oh, what do you want me to do? I don't have Darren Fox. I don't have Marvin Bagley. They're probably going to be a big disappointment anyway. But now you can point and you can say, What what do you expect me to be winning games? Like I lost my my guys.
1: They're that, in tr- they're they're in trouble, Chris. Like like this could well, they get, were in trouble anyway. I know, I know, but this could get really ugly. That's what I mean.
0: Buddy Heal could maybe score thirty a game. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean that, but then you need like Bogdanovich to also consistently bring it, like he did the other night against Atlanta, dropping twenty. You, you need so many guys on this roster to step up their games to even stay afloat in the conversation, but it's over for them without Fox. It's, it's sad and fortunate that the team with such high expectations is, you know, falling flat on their face, but that's the NBA, man.
0: Bogdanovich is a great trade piece. If you're not going to pay him, get something for him. And if your season's going nowhere anyway, if I was a team out there that needs to bolster myself, I would give something up for Bogdanovich for sure. No, I dig his game a lot. I do too. Um, a couple other injury notes. Steph Curry told reporters he plans to return from a broken left hand in the spring. So while there are uh, many players injured and there are some that are going to be out, we won't even see this year, like Durant and presumably John Wall, sounds like we are going to see Curry this year. And they might be, what, 50 games under 500 by the time we see him? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I guess... We'll get to see Steph Curry play. So people that bought tickets to see Steph Curry in the spring, at least they'll get to see him. I guess that's the only thing we can say about that, right? Your MVP, uh, your MVP pick is dead though. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's, it's certainly, certainly dead. Uh, (laughs) But you know, it's like with Golden State uh, for any Warriors fans listening, it's like, well, you know, maybe hopefully over the course of the season, you're able to see these young guys get better. Hopefully D'Angelo Russell Continues to improve within Curse system. You you still have things to watch for, um, for when Steph eventually returns to look forward to for next season. It's just this is a, a red shirt year for that entire
0: franchise. And at least those new luxury boxes were only like seven million a piece. Sure, yeah. They move into a new. <laughs> they move into a new arena got 7 million dollar luxury boxes and this is the product. I mean, that's, just, that's a bad break. Listen, they've had enough good breaks, but damn, man, the first year you move into a new place, it's interesting
1: to see Draymond Green in this new world for him. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people are rightfully going to use this season in which he's frankly overall looks like a negative out there. He's just, you know, he the offense is not there. He is not able to enhance or compliment Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I think this season, when people talk about Draymond Green, is probably going to be used as a negative against him because he's not a sailing raiser, but but he but he is a, a floor raiser and he is a an enhancer of other star players. And, and I think with Draymond Green, it's it's interesting the conversation when you're ranking, you know, the best players in the league. Draymond understandably gets knocked for not being a guy that you can solely rely on. But he is uniquely equipped to enhance other stars without any overlapping strengths or anything like that. And I wonder, like with Draymond, how do you value a guy like that? Either you know on a team or or league wide, and and with conversation about who the best players are um, compared to the typical quote unquote stars we talk about that are the guys you feed the ball to. Uh, and we're, we're seeing the bad side of Draymond here, but I don't think people should forget the the really good, you know, incredible side of his game that we've seen in the past.
0: It's understanding what he is, which is the best third best player in the league. That's what he is, right? I mean, if you, if you expect him to be your second best player, if you expect him to be your lead dog. And obviously when you had Durant too. He was, it's the, embarrassing he, he was the best he fourth is so, best
1: player. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's <laughs>
0: but that's what he is. He is the best third best player in the league. That's a good way to put it, yeah. And if you've got him as your third best player, you you can win 70 games. We saw it, right? But that's what he is. I don't think, and and, and there is something that is amazing about that. Um, but he needs, you know, he, he needs two other guys to go alongside him. And I don't think that there is I don't think that there should be any demerit in that.
1: And that that's one of the interesting things about someone like Pascal Siakam for the Raptors. I think last season, you know, granted he was just twenty-four years old last year, but the conversation around him was sort of like he is a He's one of those guys who you know compliments Kawhi. He's you know a great versatile defensive player. He runs up the floor hard. He cuts hard. He can hit corner threes. He he's he sets a tone for a team as sort of like a Draymond esque type of presence on a team. But unlike Draymond, he's proven this year that he can be one of those guys that you solely rely on, and that that is the the, the separator for those truly transcendent stars and those guys who are, like Draymond, the best third player on a team, as you put it. And, and that that's not a knock on Draymond. It's just, like you said, it's understanding who the player is. And and then sometimes, though, when opportunity knocks for guys, like it has for Pascal Siakam, you find out every single season that they're fed more, that they can do more for you. And what we've seen from Siakam this year, and overall, the Raptors, like the, the past two games, they beat the Lakers and then lost to the Clippers by 10 yesterday. They're in really good shape, man, with Siakam as their best player. And I think he sets a tone um, for the rest of that team to follow with his effort, even with his increased offensive load He is still setting that tone tone in the same way he always has as a role player, running up the floor in transition, playing hard on defense. It's really impressive to watch this Raptors team turn turn into what they have despite losing Kawhi, despite Lowry even being out, and Siakam just leading the charge with that franchise.
0: Yeah, and it is one of those where sometimes there are guys that um, they can be – Uh, much better than, than what we project, projected. We, they could be the best player on a title team or they could be the second best player on a title team where we might have thought that their ceilings being the third best, that they needed two better players. I mean, for years, and and then we miscast guys all the time as being guys that can be the best player on a great, great team. I covered a team for years that had Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol was miscast as the man but he was an amazing second-best player for the Lakers. They won titles with him, you know? And so it's figuring out, like, okay, where where does this guy fit in the context of the league? Siakam is an amazing case study because, you know, he makes you question everything. This guy has been out of his mind, Kevin. I mean, he just won Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and the numbers he was putting up—it was like over thirty points a game, double-digit rebounds, and I—we I, didn't know—is he—is he a great sidekick? Is he a great second-best player? Is he? Do you need two players that are better than Pascal Siakam? And now it's like, geez, maybe he can be the best player on an amazing team.
1: You know, it, it's interesting with Siakam. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm on that comment you said about how Draymond's. Draymond can be he's the best, third best player in the league, right? It's like with Siakam, yeah. he could be the 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 best, second best player in the league, but he's definitely not the best, best player in the league, right? You know, like I yeah. think there's a there's a cap still on what he is in this premier go-to role. So maybe in an ideal role for the uh an ideal world for the Raptors, you do find a guy that's a better go-to scorer than Siakam because Pascal, you know as good as he's been this season, he's been awesome, averaging 26 points, you know, better passing, better ball handling, still doing all the other stuff he did well. When he does have the ball in his hands, though, it does take away a little bit from the spot-up shooting in the corner, the cutting, the rim running, that that all these positive traits that he was able to really unleash in more of a minimized offensive role. Um, But... The fact that he can elevate his own play and do the things that Toronto is demanding from him, more isolations, more post-ups, more pick and roll, it's amazing to watch. Like you said, Chris, it's kind of a shock. Uh, I, I liked Siakam in the draft, in the 2016 draft. I think I had him ranked like in the 30s, so I'd had him ranked lower than he was actually drafted, but it was hard not to like him because of his effort. And his defensive upside, but he did not have a jumper. He did not handle the ball the way he does now. He does not not pass the ball the way he does now. He has transformed himself. He's like a, a Pokemon evolving, you know. He's <laughs> he's like Charmander that turned into Charizard. It's it's he's has similar qualities to his game but he is just totally transformed into something so much more larger and so much more significant as a presence on the court. And uh, uh, He's one of the best stories in the league, man. It's been a lot of fun to watch his growth, and he's only going to continue to grow, I think, especially now with Lowry out right now. They're going to put the ball in his hands, as they have in the last two games, more often to get him more playmaking opportunities. It could be another potential area of growth for him.
0: Very shocking to me that you were a Pokemon guy. You're being sarcastic, right? It's not shocking. <laughs> <laughs> it's the least shocking thing ever. Come on. I, w- I wasn't a Pokemon guy, what's but right? I'll tell you this. It's okay.
1: Here's a, are you, I
0: took, I, I, took my kids, I took my kids to go see, I see, I don't know that much about it, but I took my kids to because go you're see, like, cause you're
1: like 63 years old.
0: No, I'm not. How dare you? <laughs> I went to go. I took my kids to go see detective Pikachu. It sucked. I didn't see that. It sucked. Yeah. Really? And then it got great ratings. I don't know. I guess there's just so many nerdy critics that they loved it. Why the, why did it, it suck? I haven't seen it. it, it. it, 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 it the story didn't even make sense. It didn't even make sense. Story didn't make Interesting. sense. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. I'm sure that I'm i mean, I mean now I don't I don't want to do it because then all these all these, all these uh, Pokemon guys, they're going to they're gonna be killing me over this. They're going to be saying, oh, Pokemon, you don't understand. And Pokemon, and, well, it's enough already with the Pokemon. Did I fall asleep and wake up producing the big picture podcast? No, you didn't fall <laughs> asleep. This happened. I gave my review of Detective Pikachu. You know, I, think, I love it.
1: But I think and the, he- <laughs> the idea of I, I now I want to see the movie because I, I haven't seen it yet, but I was super intrigued by the idea of it.
0: Yeah, well, just the
1: whole the whole idea of detective pikachu <laughs> just yeah. in the, in this fa- fantasy world pikachu comes alive and he's yeah, right. smart and he's funny and he's witty Yeah he I, wasn't I
0: I, I, <laughs> I laughed one time Oh come on you I did you're, I laughed you're, one you're, time You're
1: you're just a curmudgeon Oh I laughed one time You're I mean comedy and you know it is
0: all no, subjective No that wasn't it su- comedy it's subjective It was you not know, comedy All
1: right anyway a curmudgeon I I might laugh 40 times in the movie. You probably would.
0: <laughs> you nerd. Oh all right. Uh, <laughs> all right. One other injury note that we need to get to. The, it, things have started off great for lot, the Los Angeles. Well, we're like on like yeah. 20
1: minutes of injuries. It's too many. I know. Too many injuries.
0: I, Come on. I, I know, but this is, this one is worthwhile to talk about because it is not an injury, but it is something that we seriously need to keep an eye on. Things have started out great for the Lakers. They're seven and two. Anthony Davis, 27 oh, points a yeah. game. 10 rebounds, three assists, three blocks, but you see him on the sideline and the guy's wearing a heating pad on his shoulder all the time. He was quoted as saying, there is never a play that I don't feel it. he said, I just play through it and worry about taking care of it after the game. Um, This is something very serious to monitor because this guy is playing at an MVP level. Everything has been going great for the Lakers. Uh, in this early season with their early season schedule, but when you see Anthony Davis on the sideline, uh, with a heating pad and that quote saying, I never don't feel it. And I just play through it and worry about taking care of it after the game. It does make you wonder, is this something that is just, he's just going to have to play through it the entire season is this something he's going to end up having to take time off for because the pain gets so great? I mean, right now, there's a bit of unknown with it, but what is known is his shoulder is already really bothering him.
1: It's worrisome. It is. Uh, I mean, uh, he's going to play through it and all that. You know, that's great. But with AD so far this season, he has not shot the ball well. He's shooting only 28% from three. He's shooting only 35% outside mid-range from two. That is below his typical numbers in those areas. And, you know, it, it's it's just interesting. It With Anthony Davis, is it affecting perhaps his shot? I don't know. Um, is it affecting you know, situations maybe where he goes up for a rebound? I don't know. Is it something that can get worse? He said yesterday that it's it's better now than it was two weeks ago when it first get hurt. got hurt. That's good. Um, but it's just something worth monitoring because he does tug at that shoulder a lot, does reach forward, and as you said, he's always getting maintenance on it during when he's on the bench. So it's just something to monitor.
0: Well, here's the problem. If the quote was, it comes and goes and I'm fine, that's different than, there's never a play, I don't feel it. That was the quote. There's never a play, I don't feel it, or that it doesn't bother me. That's That's the issue here. That is a very disturbing quote, but here's hoping that he can stay healthy. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got to talk about the Knicks crisis management. All right, Kev, we'll get right back to it. First, we want to remind everybody today's show brought to you by Roman. With two-thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss by age 35, some guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care. Some shave their heads. Some embrace hats. And What they don't know is that there are FDA-approved medications designed to stop hair loss and even regrow hair. That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe, FDA-approved hair loss treatment all from your phone or computer. And when you go to GetRoman.com, slash ringer nba your online visit is free consult with a u.s licensed physician through their secure online platform no awkward conversations with a receptionist or reading bad magazines in the waiting rooms once your doctor ensures that treatment will be safe and effective for you Roman's dedicated pharmacy can ship your medication to you free two-day shipping and discreet packaging. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key and Roman can help. And today, Roman is giving the Ringer NBA show listeners a free online visit at getroman.com slash Ringer NBA. That's getroman.com slash Ringer NBA for a free visit to get started. Go to getroman.com slash Ringer NBA. Show also brought to you by Google Assistant. The Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice, in the car, at home, and everywhere you take your phone. Hey, Google, how many points per game does J.J. Reddick average? Here's what I have for J.J. Reddick, an all-time NBA average of 12.9 points per game. A little help, hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. Show also brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent to get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Like maybe starting two and eight and your front office having to do a press conference 10 games into the season. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. All right, Kevin. So right before we went to the break, we talked about how the Lakers have gotten off to a great start. Shockingly, the Knicks have not <laughs> uh and after ten games, their crisis management was for Steve Mills and Scott Perry to take to the podium, saying that they felt an obligation to talk to you guys, speaking to the media, and that they need to communicate to their fans that they aren't happy right now, but then they said they believe in their coaching staff and they believe in the plan. That uh, me and Scott put together, that Steve Mills talking, um, they are 29th in point differential. They are last in offensive efficiency. They are last in field goal percentage. They are 29th in assists per game. Um, and they're about to set up a game in a few days where Kristaps Porzingis, which was once dubbed to be the future of their franchise, is going to be coming wearing another jersey. Um, stories came out yesterday from Adrian Wojnarowski saying that Steve Mills has been working behind the scenes to make David Fisdale the scapegoat. Who should get the blame here? Is it Scott uh, Steve Mills and Scott Perry? Is it David Fisdale? Who is most to blame for the 2-8 and eight start for the New York
1: Knicks? <laughs> it's, it's James Dolan. It's neither of them. It's James Dolan, but he can't fire, he's not gonna fire himself as owner. Um that's ultimately the the big issue here in regards to the front office. (laughs) how, How could you have high expectations for this team? I think I think the expectations fairly could have been, and as we talked about before the season, Chris, that this team would be a high effort team, that they would play hard and try to be competitive, but still lose a lot um but they have not been competitive they have not really ha- been playing that hard especially as they've started to lose a lot of games early in the season and you know that's i think that's really the main concern here um that the team is not playing up to those expectations but in terms of the record 2 and 8 who cares like everybody knew this team was going to suck uh and what happens with Fizdale? i don't know i mean like they, they could also just be using this as a as a pr reason to get rid of him when there could be other stuff um, that they decide from a tactical point of view, maybe the guys that he's playing or the way that he's using them. It could be more than just the record. That could just be the reason that we're fed publicly and we're given to believe and given to talk about, uh, which we are right now. Um, but w- the real conversation with Fizdale is probably much more nuanced that they're having behind the scenes there in New York.
0: Uh, well, for Knicks, for Knicks fans, it was always... You know, the problem was that they weren't playing Frank Ilequina and then they played him uh, in Dallas and it was like, see what happens when you play Frank? And then he got Frankie smoked by uh, De'Aaron Fox and Colin Sexton. Back to back, and and so it's not it was Fizdale not playing. On, Frankie how, how long, Smokes. How
1: long were you waiting to
0: use that? He got Frankie Smokes. He did get Frankie Smokes.
1: When did you When did you write that line?
0: This is a, I didn't have to.
1: That, that was off the cuff. This is a, This off is an cuff? easy
0: one. um <laughs> I, I mean, I, I look and and I now he got I got Frankie Smokes. I got another wait another week for. You to uh, retweet somebody putting up a two minute clip of totally normal basketball plays that the guy makes and oh, acting like on. he is king of the world um, when he's averaged five points a game, thirty eight percent from the field, and fifty percent from the free throw line, of which he never goes to. Um, <laughs> I mean, if, so it was all it was all because Fizz wasn't playing Frankie Smokes. And now all of a sudden he's playing Frankie Smokes, and they get their ass beat by the Cavs, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, what's next? Um, look, it's interesting because uh, I wonder if the national media is going to trash the Knicks uh, for uh, uh, for getting rid of Fizdale like they did the Grizzlies when they got rid of Fizdale. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Fizz is the problem. I think Fizz. Look, Fizz went there, a because he was going to get paid a fortune, but b. <laughs> He did
1: he joke. They, he did joke about how he's got like two and a half years left on his yeah. contract. <laughs>
0: they thought they, they look. He thought they were going to get great players. He did. He thought they were going to get great players. They don't have great players. They don't have great players. They their leading scorer is Marcus Morris. Remember, I was just talking about the best third best player you have. Like Marcus Morris should not be. He should be your best fourth player <laughs> or fifth and, or, or sixth and he's maybe. your lead. Yeah, right. Or sixth. <laughs> he's your leading scorer on this team. This roster stinks and they built a trash team and to have Steve Mills and Scott Perry, you know, stand up there and this is not what we expected and we're not happy about this. Well, well Come that's, on, that's man. what I
1: mean. That's what I mean. Like it, it,
0: They can bring like, in any coach. and I mean. they, Nobody, they Nobody's winning.
1: this stupid though, is my point. My point, my point is, is like, that's, it's just being used as a reason, but, but, but nobody's dumb enough to think this team would have been good.
0: Well, and here's the thing. Uh, maybe there's a there should be a proper investigation that, like, what have Steve Mills and Scott Perry ever done? What have they done? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, surprise, they run a crappy team. Like, you know, uh, Perry was at Sacramento for two weeks uh, when he got hired at, as vice president of basketball loss. Before that, he was Hennigan's right-hand man. Things are you know were great in Orlando for sure, for God's sakes. And then, I mean, uh, he was with Joe Dumars, building a team in, in Detroit. But I mean, so we give him credit for being the assistant there. I mean, like, you know, you go look it up and it's like, and he was with Seattle when they drafted Kevin Durant. Oh, that was a hard pick. I mean, (laughs) what has he done? And Steve Mills was like running the garden. Like that's what he was doing. He was running the garden and then he went to go work for magic, you know, and magic Johnson entertainment. And then like, so what have they done? Like why do you, why do you think that they would be able to build a great basketball uh, but, but, team? But
1: again, again though, who I know who, does who, James Dolan's who gig. Them? Who hired them?
0: A hundred percent It's James Dolan. Look, it all it all goes back to James Dolan. But you do have a job to do when you are you know that that there is a job of the general manager and the team president. And I don't think that James Dolan picks the players, or that James Dolan may prevent them from getting players. I totally could see that. But their job is to build a basketball team. And this basketball team sucks and nobody's going to win with that team. And you look at what they did in free agency and then they came out and apologized the day of free why are they steady always apologizing <laughs> for crap? You know what I mean? <laughs> like free agency goes terrible and they take to the podium apologizing. And then they say, "Oh no, this is exactly what we wanted to do and we have a plan." And then they go 2 and 8 and they say, "Oh, we still believe in our plan and this team is underperforming as if they should be good. You know, like you see we can be good some nights. I feel bad for Knicks fans, I do. I, I know. feel bad for I know. them. Yeah. I feel really bad for them.
1: It's it's sad. And and I think with New York though, you, you and I talked about this previously when I when I have defended their summer, right? Um and I mentioned how like they the next two years, this season and next before the 2021 offseason, They need to change their image. They need to become a team that is viewed as a high-effort team with young talent on the rise. James Nolan needs to, you know, stay out of the picture. You know, he needs to change, and that's what needs to happen. And so far, you know, it's November, and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Their image has not changed. If anything— it may even get even worse. If you fire Fizdale, a well-liked coach, if you totally change the front office, and by the way, those guys aren't safe. I mean, like, Dolan could fire anybody at any point, and there was already the rumblings of, of uh, James Dolan wanting to go after Masai Ujiri, who runs the Toronto Raptors. And I don't think Masai would leave Toronto. He just signed an extension there, one of the highest-paid ex- executives in basketball. But if James Dolan were to pay him Phil Jackson money, like who knows? Who really knows what could happen moving forward? But this team, mid-November, already does not look like they're on the wrong, the right track. It looks like they're still on the wrong track and going further and deeper down, down the road where people don't perceive them as a team, as a franchise that anybody would ever want to play for. And they're not doing the things that they have to do to change that, and that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, and so we will uh watch this play out, but when you are 10 games into the season and your leaders have already taken to the podium uh to apologize, and then there are already stories. I mean, now it makes it untenable now that that story is out that the guy has been working behind the scenes to get Fizz fired. It's just a matter of time. I know. Yeah. It's a matter of oh, yeah. time. You oh, can't oh, yeah. have he, that story he, come out. He's
1: a goner at some point.
0: Yes, he he will be a goner, and then they're going to have to go find a basketball coach. Um, they, should, they should hire I, Phil Jackson as head coach. Oh, for God's sakes. Maybe that'll work. They're probably still. Hey, they're probably still paying him. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, the Knicks, uh, like I mentioned on Thursday night, it will be the return for Porzingis, um, who interestingly got benched in the Celtics game last night. And he had taken off the last game uh, over the weekend in Memphis for load management, then was one for 11 and it was downright dreadful. And, I was I was impressed by his comments after the game. You know, he he certainly did not take it as a personal affront, and you know it was kind of like a just it wasn't his night type of thing. Um, but for a night where you know Kristaps Porzingis was a terrible, um, Jason Tatum was terrible on the other side, and it would have been great for Kristaps to not have a terrible night. He has been a detriment to the Dallas Mavericks so far, but as we know, this is a work in progress, and you know, you would imagine that they'll be able to figure it out and that they can be devastating with that tandem of Luca and Porzingis. But the interesting thing so far is that that has not been when they have been very good this year. And in fact, while we lauded and praised and like, hey, they're gonna have Luca and Porzingis, weirdly those two have not been good on the floor together.
1: Chris, if you if you weren't able to see heights if, if, you know, if you couldn't tell the difference between somebody who is five foot two and somebody who is seven foot two, and you were watching Kristaps Porzingis play, how tall would you think he is without knowing his actual height?
0: Oh, I would say six foot. I mean, like a like a wing, like six yeah. eight. Yeah,
1: maybe like something even like thing is 66 something like that. Uh, that's what makes said. him yeah. so freaky. Yeah.
0: Freaky athletic, yes. but I mean he has he has been crap so far this year. So, and, and I think
1: the reason why I asked that question is because one of the problems that really showed up last night in Dallas's loss against Boston was like they always have, Boston comfortably put Marcus Smart at 6'3" on Kristaps Porzingis and when I talked to KP uh, during Mavericks training camp this year, I asked Porzingis about, you know, him improving his post game and because with Luca, you know, the expectation would be that he would get a lot of mismatches on the posts. and Porzingis said to me, quote, Earlier in my career, smaller guys like Marcus Smart would get me off balance, but now I feel comfortable playing against a smaller guy. A lot of times what works is a quick move with one bump or just turn into his face and shoot over him. I've gotten a lot better at reading those situations. It's a lot of film study, but also just playing, knowing how to play against a smaller guy instead of a bigger guy. And in last night's game against Boston and this entire season, Porzingis has not gotten better on the post. He still plays, as you just said, Chris, like a six eight guy, a six six guy. You know who you know who should be punishing smaller players. at seven foot three with his size and length and what looks like visible strength, but he plays like a noodle on the post, and it's <laughs> it's it's sad to watch in in many ways because like he should be just punishing. Marcus Smart and Marcus Smart is awesome. I love Marcus Smart, but he should be punishing somebody who's that much smaller than him. He should be punishing Jason Tatum on the post, but he doesn't consistently. And this has been a problem since before he was drafted. It was I loved KP in the 14 draft before he dipped out. I had him ranked 10th that year. I loved him in the 2015 draft when the Knicks took him fourth, and everybody's booing him. And I'm like, no, this dude's like actually really good, and he is good. But the posts is the area of his game that has long been such a significant weakness, and it's the area of his game that he needs to still get better at to make him a truly great player. He can't be somebody that opponents are putting small guards on, small wings on, and being comfortable doing it. They defenses and opponents need to worry about putting a smaller guy in Porzingis because that's when it creates serious matchup issues in the favor of the Mavericks. And right now, those, those advantages are only theoretical because they're not real until KP can be somebody who's just punishing smaller players inside, forcing teams to play big, which will create a whole new world of issues because of KP's versatility on the perimeter. And that hasn't happened, and it's disappointing. And right now, it's what's holding back Dallas, and their top 10 star in Luka Doncic. KP needs to be better than he's been.
0: I saw Doncic in person over the weekend, and I said to somebody, he did not have the greatest of games, but I, did, I said to somebody, well, you know the real superstars. If you took somebody to the game that never watches basketball or doesn't particularly care about basketball, and you just said, watch this game, you tell me who the best player on the floor is, who do you think is the best player? Like That's when you know the superstar. He's still, you watch the game, He's the best player on the floor, and it was by a wide margin, and he didn't even have that great of a game. He is so damn good. Oh, my God. He is. I'll tell you this. If you live in a city, and he is one of the few that I would say, like, if you are in an opposing team city, like, get your tickets and go see him in person. That is a special player for sure. I mean, it's it's amazing how quickly the, the rise can happen,
1: too. It's like we were just oh. talking about Siakam. I, I think Siakam... Like, look, you guys have to do it over a longer period of time to to really hold the spot, um, rather than like a ten game sample. You know, plus what they did, you know, last season. But Siakam, I think, has proven to be a top twenty guy, and Luca, I think, is like probably the ninth or tenth best player right now in basketball. No,
0: and, and and the other thing is when you see him in person, you can always gather things from seeing guys up close and personal than uh than than on television, um. One of the things that stands out is he is he is even bigger than he appears on TV. He's huge. That's a big kid. He really yeah. <laughs> Luca is big. He's a big guy. Um and just a boy, he is a special talent to say the least. It's like the, um, the line from uh Hallelujah. He's white and thick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, here's hey, I, 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 I there's a player that has been on a run here that we need to mention because I would say he is if he's not the top most slandered player in on social media, he's certainly one of the top 5. Who is this? And that is Andrew Wiggins. Oh yeah. And Andrew Wiggins is on a run here. His last fi- uh let's just say the last 5 games. Uh he had 25 points against in a Milwaukee game. In the Memphis game he had 30 points, 6 assists, 2 rebounds. Followed that up with 40 points, 7 assists, Five rebounds, 25 points, five points, four or five assists, four rebounds, 33 points last night against Detroit, five assists, six rebounds. Something that has never particularly been in his repertoire is making other players better. He's been a good scorer since he's been in the league, but right now. I don't know about good, but. (laughs) Huh? I don't know about good, but he scored. (laughs) Well, I mean, he is, it's right now, it's 25 points per game. Almost 26, I mean, in three assists he, per game. Oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was never, never efficient, but he got buckets. No, but these numbers are good this year. Oh, yeah, they've been really good. Uh, and the assist number is very promising because he's kind of got the ball in his hands, and they have been without point guard for uh, some amount of time. But for the most slandered guy, um, you know, he looks way better than he ever has before. I'm just going to say that. Absolutely. And Sometimes we go too far where people think, you know, Andrew Wiggins sucks. Andrew Wiggins does not suck, but he he might be overpaid. That's for certain. Um, And he might not be able to be your first or second best player on a really good team. But he's clearly over the course of these last 10 games, especially showing real growth as not only a scorer, but he has been a playmaker for his you know, uh, for his teammates. Well, the playmaking is the most surprising aspect of his game that that's happened this
1: year for him in Minnesota. And that's partially a byproduct of the way Ryan Saunders is utilizing in this system. Now they are essentially the last two seasons, Wiggins averaged 1.9 post ups per game, 1.6 last season, and this year it's it's been cut in half to 0.7. He's only logged seven over the the season so far, but he's running about double the amount of pick and rolls that he has the past two seasons. Uh, last two years it was 4.5 pick and rolls per game, 5.4 pick and rolls per game. Now he's up to 9.6, and that's of of possessions where he scores the ball. Um, it's even more when he passes out of pick and rolls and. That's the big thing. It's like he's running pick and roll now in a system that has a five-out offense with five players spacing the floor when he has the ball four around him. So he has easier passing lanes, simpler reads, and I think he has shown more of a willingness to pass the ball too. And that's partially something that Saunders before the season he said, you know, Wiggins is going to have a breakout year. And you know, people say that all the time, but the nature of this system has made the game a bit easier for Wiggins. And it's nice to see that manifesting for him because as you said, Chris, he could always score. Um, He was never efficient, but because now he's taking more threes instead of deep twos, because now it's, it's a bit easier to get to the basket because the lane isn't clogged and it's easier to have open shooters to pass to. It has opened things up for him as a player. And I, I don't know how real this is. Wiggins has had stretches like this before. Um, he's had stretches of eight, nine, ten games in a row where he looks awesome. So, so we've been fooled in the past, and I want to see it more from him you know, over the course of the season. But I'm very encouraged, particularly by the playmaking aspect, which is kind of a reflection of the system change that happened overall there in Minnesota. That's um, helped Towns. That's helped Wiggins and helping other guys on that team. It's encouraging.
0: Last couple of things. So you want to blow up the Spurs because they lost to the Grizzlies?
1: <laughs> um that's a good reason to. No, it's a, it's,
0: it's not it's, it's a
1: good reason to. No, it's no, not. No, it's not. By no. the way, by the way, when I so I for what it's worth, what you're referring to is last night I tweeted out. Um I'm looking forward to recording Tuesday's Ringer NBA show with Chris Vernon um after the, the Grizzlies went over the Spurs. I got some thoughts with a with a gif of uh, you know, stuff being blown up, and and you and um, I think when it comes to the Spurs, like there's not a lot to blow up here. You have two older players, Marcus Aldridge, who has this season and next season left on his contract, and you have Demar Derozan, who has a player option for next season. Now, Aldridge being thirty four years old, and and Derozan being thirty, there's not a lot to blow up. They have a lot of nice young talent on this team. Uh, the, the the problem is, Chris, is that DeRozan is a roadblock to consistently playing some of the that young talent together or playing that young talent for more minutes. Murray, Forbes, White have not played together this season. Murray and White have rarely played together so far for San Antonio, and they are arguably their two best guards, but they're definitely their two best young guards. And I think for San Antonio, it would be wise months in advance of DeRozan's free agency. I think because of the weak free agent class, it is at least possible that he'll opt out of that contract. I think for San Antonio, if he is somebody that you were not going to sign anyway, he is somebody that, according to Sam Amick from The Athletic, said that they were far apart in contract negotiations. If he is somebody that you don't see as part of your future, it makes sense to, therefore, trade him before the February deadline. And in regards to LaMarcus Aldridge, I wouldn't necessarily trade him. I'd just be open to trading him. But if you're San Antonio, I think you need to remove DeRozan from that backcourt and unleash some of these young guys and give them more scoring opportunities, give them more playmaking on-ball opportunities that DeRozan is taking away from him, from those players as a overall negative player, unfortunately, in the state of today's league, with just his mid-range heavy game, I mean the dude's only taken four threes. It, it's really I, I don't I don't understand. I I don't get it with the Rosen. and like he has long been such a good mid-range shooter, and yet the, he just just a, a a refusal to shoot threes. It's it's very odd, man. It's like unfortunately that's the nature of the game today. It's like I'm writing about this tomorrow on the Ringer, but. Like it sucks that a guy like DeRozan is a negative in today's league. It's disappointing, but it's just the reality. And with DeRozan, what 40, a what? negative? Yeah, he's a negative. Why? How? Why is DeRozan not a negative player right now? Inefficient, doesn't play a lot of defense.
0: Don't they have not, a not, top, not top a ten playmaker. offense? At, don't they have a top ten offense in the league? Yeah, they do. <laughs> what the hell are you talking it, about? Is, is
1: that is that because of DeRozan? Or is it because he's of? The, he's or, he's or their or is leading scorer. Yeah, but raw numbers like Andrew Wiggins has long been the leading scorer of some Minnesota teams. The leading scorer doesn't necessarily mean anything. It is one part of a a large. What, how can you he say he's a
0: negative when they have a top ten offense and he's been good? Yeah, but it's not just about scoring. It, it's it's because about he doesn't defense. shoot threes. Because he doesn't do what he's not good at. Why are you always insistent upon people doing things they're not good at? for the greater good. Like he does what he's good at and he's efficient at doing it. Like, but he's, he's not, he's he's a key. He's cog. not horrible
1: at three point shooting. He's like a, a, a 30% three point shooter, which <laughs> again, like is Borg. Exp- this is the inherent flaw. in like the math, it's just the math. It, the fact is, is, that increased floor spacing does help your teammates. Also, you know, it's a more expected points per shot with him taking more threes, whether spot up or dribble jumpers, than it is pulling up for mid range. Just I would out. understand and, and, and if their and, and offense and was a point, problem. The point is is that it's just unfortunate. But it's not just about the scoring, though. Like, forget the scoring for a minute. I'm talking about the defensive aspect. I'm talking about all the other areas of the game that are average or below average. And and the point is is that whether DeRozan is a negative or not isn't the point. The main point is that I don't see him, and I don't think the Spurs see him, as part of the future of the team. And because of his contract, because of the fact you have so much other young talent on this roster, negative or not... I think it makes sense to move him. That's all.
0: Um, that's I think all. this is a, a grand overreaction it, when, uh, to one why, loss. Why,
1: why is it an overreaction?
0: Because they're two and a half games out of first place. I mean, like it's so early in the season. They lost a game. Yeah, but but they lost a the, game. Does, does, I mean, Wait, when, when I said this, when they when I when you train train Rosen,
1: the point isn't to say they should
0: tank. All I'm, I'm saying is you're saying this because they lost the Grizzlies. Last no, i I was this, writing this article
1: on Saturday morning.
0: Well, they kicked the shit and then they kicked the shit out of the Rockets and you didn't, or what? I mean, like it just depends on what game it is that you watch. I mean they, no, they lost to the It There's night. nothing
1: to do with reacting to any games. It's nothing to do with that. It has to do with just the overall nature of the team right now. And the fact is that they have a ton of young guys who are not playing together or getting opportunities to play together or they're not getting as many minutes or touches or whatever it may be. And that's where my main issue is. is like I would love to see these guys get more opportunity to thrive because they do have so much. The Spurs, when they, before they traded Kawhi, you looked at their team, and we talked about this at the time, they did not have much young talent on that roster. And now they do. They have Murray, they have Forbes, they have White These are some impressive young players, and we didn't even mention Lonnie Walker, who is still underdeveloped and very raw on that team. The point is, Chris, is that regardless of your thoughts on DeRozan, whether you think he's a negative or you think he's a great player, whatever, the point is is that he conceivably may not be part of the future of this team. And I think with San Antonio right now, it would be more of a good thing for them right now to be investing more into some of that youth on the roster. Maybe you keep Aldridge and built and have like one strong veteran presence to have on that team. But I think it makes some sense to at least shop around DeRozan.
0: All right. Fair that's point. All. Um that's fair, all. fair point. And I meant and I meant Oklahoma City uh last week, not Houston. Um and they have they've been on a bad stretch. I mean, you know, they started off. Where everybody was like, oh, watch out for the Spurs. We were wrong about the Spurs. They started off four and one, and now they were one and four in their last. So now they're sitting at five and five through the first 10 games of the season. And interesting game that they've got on Wednesday night at Minnesota. Um, I'll be interested to, uh, to, to, to watch them play against Minnesota and see what happens there. But this is, uh, you know, last night, he. Uh, but the, but that, the, the, one, you know, one thing,
1: one thing on Minnesota that that's sort of the interesting thing with San Antonio. This is touches on what I'm writing about for tomorrow with San Antonio. You're right, Chris, that they're, they're allowing DeRozan to do what he feels most comfortable at and what he, what he is best at. And that's pulling up for mid range, shooting for mid range. Same with Aldridge, like a lot of post-ups, not a lot of three pointers on, on pick and pops or spot up situations. They put guys into positions where they are comfortable. And that is a very, very good thing. Like, that's one of the reasons why San Antonio has been good for so long. They've always been adaptable. Changing their system to best fit the strengths of the players. However, because of the way the game has changed, and Minnesota is a good example of that, sometimes it's not such a bad thing to put players into positions where they are uncomfortable if it does result in a better overall system, a, a, a better overall environment for that player to thrive. Wiggins now in a system like we just talked about with five-out spacing, able to get to the rim more often, not shooting quite as much from mid-range, especially early in the shot clock, and that has helped him become a more efficient player. And that's that's the frustrating aspect with San Antonio. It's like what they're doing for so long, still is working. Like you said, they have a top 10 offense. But I I do question how long can this work or how many players are we actually going to have that do resemble a DeRozan and that do resemble an Aldridge? I I, I just do wonder if these are the types of guys that fade away because it just doesn't work as well as this modernized three-point system. Does Does that make sense, Chris?
0: It does if they weren't having success. The problem is not offense. So if you can be highly efficient doing what they're doing, which they have figured out how to do, then more power to them. I like that not everybody plays the same way. Me too. I, I, I'm glad that they don't, that they play the way that they Me do. Me too.
1: And that's sort of like the, the central thesis of the article tomorrow. It's like, I, lo- I love watching the Spurs because they do it differently than, than almost everybody else right now. It's fun to watch a team that is a relic of the past.
0: with DeRozan You just made an sh- argument that they shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, no,
1: that, but that's, 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 that's the thing. That, that's what I mean. It's like, I love watching them, and yet it's like, well, how is DeRozan not shooting threes? <laughs> it would be a more efficient play for him individually. That, 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 there's, there's, that's what I mean. There's, the, the, there's these contrasting views in my mind and in my brain when I watch the Spurs, and it's just,
0: I'm not sure how to feel about that. Well, then just let it go. Just let it go. (laughs) Don't think too hard Uh, about it. Last thing. A week ago, you and I talked about James Wiseman, who is a projected top five, maybe top pick in the NBA. He um, He has been ruled ineligible by the NCAA, but Memphis is going to fight it. Therefore, that means James Wiseman is still going to be on a basketball court, and I did want to alert people that who knows how long Uh, That will be the case, but he is expected to play. And if you want to see him uh, tonight on ESPN, uh, another top 15 team, Oregon, Uh, it's the Phil Knight Invitational. And so it is the opportunity to see Wiseman against uh, what is supposed to be a, a good team in college basketball in Oregon. And who knows how long? I don't know if he'll play X amount of games or if he'll play out the whole season or what's going to happen. Um But while it came out that James Wiseman was ruled ineligible, Memphis doesn't appear to care that he was (laughs) ruled ineligible and is going to fight it. And so he is playing tonight um, against Oregon. So I I would just alert everybody uh, a good opportunity to get to check him out because, you know, in in a year where there are projected top, Picks that we are not getting to see on a regular basis, um, except for highlights like LaMelo Ball, like the kid that, uh, who is the other one? Uh, RJ Hampton, right? Um, who is playing overseas. Wiseman is one of those that is playing in college basketball and who knows how long he will be playing in college basketball, but at least another opportunity to see him tonight. Do you have him? If you were to make a board right now, I'd assume he's in your top five. Of course. Are you yeah. a Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Cole Anthony? Like, where where do you find him amongst those in your mind? Um, you know, I haven't done actual rankings
1: yet, but I'd probably okay. have Edwards number one right now. And you know, gotcha. Wiseman's in that top group, of course. They're all they're all in that same same grouping.
0: All right. Well, this is an opportunity to see one of the projected uh, top picks. So, Knicks fans, tonight, eight o'clock. <laughs> and Warriors fans want, and, and, and Warriors and, fans and, and Kings fans if you want to, you want to uh, Charlotte fans if you want to check this out tonight Charlotte, uh, Charlotte's not bad four and six you don't think they're going to have a high pick Kev
1: <laughs> you don't trust Terry here? Devontae Graham's been really good for them I love scary Terry Devonte. I love Devontae scary. Graham's been pretty awesome he, has been, he, he has been yeah. really
0: good He has been really good. I picked the wrong Kansas guy Mm. with Frankie Mason (laughs) for my island. I mean, Graham's been great. (laughs) He has. I should have gone with uh, Devontae Graham. Anyway, Kevin, it is always a pleasure. I will talk to you on Friday. Peace out. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps. And we will talk to you on Friday.